Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we're actually here in Tainan, Taiwan. We were in Taipei, then we were in Taichung, and then we we're in Tainan, in Taiwan. There are all these ties, and uh, we're loving Taiwan. We're going to be heading to the East Coast where you've got the beautiful uh, natural beauty. We'll be heading to Taipei 101. Uh, once was the tallest building in the world, so make sure you check out our blog, daddyblogger.com, for a lot of pictures, videos, and blog posts, and of course, podcasts. As we're traveling, we love interviewing fellow world travelers, fellow entrepreneurs, fellow coaches, and fellow friends of ours. So on today's episode, I have a good buddy of mine, Rod Jans, who I've known for several years from my hometown of Vancouver, BC, Canada. Uh, Rod and me, we're both entrepreneurs. Uh, I've known Rod uh, through the podcasting circle, through the event space, through the charity space. Uh, he's a great friend of mine and I always love chatting with Rod. Uh, so I'm going to be interviewing Rod about a couple of his uh, passions. One is uh, doing charity work, helping the homeless, and uh, this whole area of online um, internet marketing, like coaching and podcasting. So Rod, um, how are you doing over there in beautiful Vancouver, BC, Canada today? Hey, it's great to be with you, Ricky. Great to be with you, and I just want to apologize because there might be some Wi-Fi hiccups. Life is a digital nomad means you're never going to have perfect Wi-Fi, so if there's any hiccups or lags, we'll blame the internet for that. <laughs> so let's roll with it. So, Rob, uh, let's hear a little bit of your story. I, I know it personally because we're friends, but a lot of our viewers and listeners, they haven't heard your personal story yet. So why didn't you share the quick two-minute version? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I've been in business most of my adult life out of physical education degree and English degree, but I decided not to teach and uh, went into business with my dad and worked with him for several years. And, and during that time, uh, in 2009, we actually started a podcast. So I've been podcasting for, for a long time. Um, I just finished up an almost five-year stint uh, working for a nonprofit doing fundraising. Um, but before that, I uh, did a lot of marketing, a lot of online marketing, worked for a large agency, and uh, also had my real estate um, license for a while. So yeah, I've done a lot of different things. And now uh, I've chosen work for myself. And um, I'm dabbling in all kinds of things. I've written a helped write a a letter of intent for a charity. Um, I'm podcasting and helping other people set up podcasts and uh, also doing some online marketing. And I just finished doing a website for someone. So I'm doing all, all kinds, kinds of stuff uh, at the moment. Well, hey, you're no different than any entrepreneur, Rod. <laughs> Most of our entrepreneurs are hustling. We have multiple streams of income, and uh, it's definitely a trial and error process. Uh, some stuff works, some stuff doesn't. You go through your financial ups and downs. It's all part of the entrepreneurial journey. So uh, I'd love to hear about your whole passion for uh, I know you were quite involved with the downtown east side, which is one of the poorest areas in all of North America. Uh, you've dedicated a lot of your life there. I know you recently left the organization, and now you've gone solo and become a full uh, entrepreneur internet marketer but I love to hear that side of your story in terms of your passion for the area because this is something I see in my travels over and over uh, poverty homelessness and I feel so at a loss in terms of what to do and you've been working in this field so obviously you've learned a lot of wisdom in this area so I'd love for you to share with the audience here most of who are travelers who see poverty literally every single day so why didn't you share your background in this area 
Yeah, it was quite an experience. It was uh, so it, it all started, I went to a couple of social justice conferences and I met some people that, that were working on the downtown east side. Um, I was in real estate at the time, never thinking that I would end up uh, down there. And uh, uh, along the way, I met the CEO of a particular organization. And uh, through the grapevine, I heard that uh, they were looking for a marketing slash fundraising person. And uh, so I went down and, and I heard their story and what they were doing. This particular organization was helping people find work. So they were kind of on the other end of the recovery journey. You know, the, the people that they were working with maybe have gone through recovery or were suffering from mental illness and uh, were ready to maybe do something. Um, here in Canada, you can actually be on disability or uh, receive welfare and still earn a little bit of money. So a little bit of money makes a huge difference because on disability or welfare, they might just cover their rent and then have no money left over for the rest of the month. So the people that this particular organization worked with, that was the case with them. And I think for myself personally, um, you know, I think going and working in the downtown east side, which is Canada's poorest postal code, uh, I expected it to just be a lot of recovery, but it turns out that a large part of the problem is actually mental illness. So, you know, my friend and some guy walks up to the corner as I'm walking to the office and rips off his t-shirt and starts doing push-ups in the rain on the, on the corner of the street, you know? And so that was just sort of the beginning. Uh, I would see things like that on an almost daily or, or weekly basis. And so, yeah, realizing that mental illness here in Vancouver, they shut down one of the major um, facilities for people that suffered from mental illness. And it, it almost made, it almost instantly made, no, no kidding, like 10,000 people home east side so um it was it was such uh it, it was such a complex dip type of deal like there, there's sort of a beautiful community there there's lots of suffering there people actually get there's actually a lot of services concentrated in that area um and yet uh there's still no one pat answer on how to to help everyone, but um, community definitely definitely helps uh, creating community and communities for community is uh, one of the th that definitely helps. And I think realizing that we're all on an equal footing as well. The thing that helped me survive down there actually was realizing that I have my own struggle. I suffer from shin once in a while, um, and when you hear people's stories, they're you know they're really no different than than you or I. Uh, they probably they may have had more trauma in the past. My CEO, my former CEO down there used to always say nobody ends up on the downtown east side without some major uh, trauma in their lives. So, and as you sit down with people and uh, ask them, you know, begin to hear their stories, you almost always hear the devastating stories, you know, particularly there's a high concentration of Aboriginal people in the area 
and they almost without fail have just horrific stories from from growing up uh, abuse and alcoholism and drug abuse and all kinds of stuff so that's kind of a long-winded answer to your to your question that I could keep going but I'll I'll, I'll stop it there <laughs> Yeah, no, thanks for sharing. And obviously, this is a massive problem on a global level. It's no longer, it was never just a Vancouver problem or a New York problem or a, a Seattle problem or like a um, Calcutta problem. It's a problem we see everywhere in the world. We see poverty, we see homelessness, we see mental addiction. And a lot of us who are travelers or just citizens, we feel so at a loss. Uh, in terms of what to do. And I see this all the time. I get choked up about it because in the Philippines, I was like, I see the, the kids begging on the street. I see the homeless people. I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? And I can never fully answer that question, the what can I do question. And um, the travelers uh, who are listening to our show, they have that same question, the what can I do question. So I'm going to put this in your, your I'm going to give you the easy question here broad you know uh, what can people do uh, when they see poverty and homelessness as citizens of a city or as travelers of the globe what can we do what can we do what can we do i think you know one of the first things uh, so i was walking down the street one day on the downtown east side i came by walked by me it was like 9 30 in the morning and he was just blasted he was drunk out of, you know, just staggering on the street. I just had this sense that I was really no different than him. And I think that's, that's the beginning. That's sort of the foundation is realizing that um, all of these people, there's that that's someone's child, that's someone's brother, that's someone's uncle, that's someone's father, um, that we are somehow connected. I think that's somehow the foundation of it. It's not, I think if we be, if we separate ourselves and make it an us and them type of problem, that that just creates separation and creates a barrier. So I think the first thing is just trying to find that place of connection, um, being honest about your own struggles and that we all need help. We all need friendship. We all need family. We all need uh, community. Um, I, I think that's the beginning. Um, and then I think the second thing is to not let yourself be overwhelmed by it. If you think about this, oh, this is like a global problem. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just too, it's too overwhelming. You know, for example, you, I spent some time in the Philippines where you guys are, are living right now. And, um, you know, the, the poverty can be overwhelming, but, um, you know, one of my, one of my things was to just, you know, there's basketball hoops everywhere in the Philippines. One of my favorite things was to go out and just start playing basketball with the kids, you know, and you know, I wasn't solving any major problems and I don't want to pat myself on the back. Like that was a super, it was just a very tiny, tiny, tiny thing, but, uh, it helped me go out and connect with people and have fun, get to know them. And, um, I think that the, the the major thing we can do is to not minimize the small things, you know, um, it, just, just do what's in front of you. Like just if, if there's some way that you can help the next that, that you come across then help them. And it's not too little to just, you know, ask them their name or to uh, just start a conversation um, or to, you know, 
take someone for a meal. There's nothing, there's nothing that is too small that, that can't, that doesn't help. In uh, the oration that I worked for, it started out by a woman from a church just going down and taking sandwiches to people on, on the downtown east side, really small sort of insignificant thing. But then other people joined her and then they got a building and then they, um, uh, you know, then they started programs because then it developed into a work program. So, um, you know, what, one of my favorite sayings is Mother Teresa saying is just, it's not about doing great things. It's about doing little things with, with love. You know, I, I, I butchered that, that quote, but <laughs> it's, it's just, I think it's just all about being loving uh, where, wherever you are. And it, it doesn't have to be in these super, it doesn't have to be in these places where there's extreme poverty as well. Like to know your neighbor, uh, help them go mend your, their, you know, their fence or whatever. <laughs> uh, take care of their dog. Like just, just everybody in mind, wherever you are. I know it sounds like a platitude, but that's to me, that really is um, where, where it, it, it all begins. It does all begin there. Uh, and I, I love the Mother Teresa quote, I can do no great things, only small things with great love. And uh, it is so applicable, you know, in our day and age to do these small things. And you look at the web of Merita, Rod, and our wives love it when we do the small things, right? Uh, we wash the dishes or we give them flowers or give them a foot massage. And these small things are worth more than the diamond ring or uh, expensive uh, vacation or uh, luxurious clothes. Uh, it's the small things with great love. So if we can apply that to all areas of life, the world would be a lot better place. So I'm glad you gave us these really solid practical tips, Rod. So you've made the transition, Rod, from working in a charity NGO, helping out the homeless people. And now you're helping out entrepreneurs, you're helping them with their podcasts, you're coaching people, designing websites. It feels like a whole new world from uh, this uh, uh, kind of this uh, working in the poverty realm to now working with entrepreneurs. Tell us about that transition. Uh, what principles have you applied from your old, old work to your new work? Tell us about that shift. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too much of a major shift. I mean, um, I had to still pay the rent, so I just find something to do. So I just feel like I'm using the best use of my, my gifts. And, um, you know, like I said, I've been podcasting. So um, right now I have four different podcasts that I'm producing and doing different things um, for each person and need company because each person and each company has different skills. Um, the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast was one of the first ones that I started to produce. And he's an expert martyr, so I don't have to do much on the marketing side for him. I mostly just take care of the editing and uh, making sure that the posts go up and, and, and that sort of thing. So um, it really... It was really quite a natural transition, and it was one that I was really uh, I wanted to be working myself. You know, uh, you you and I, Ricky, we share this entrepreneurial streak, and um, you know, it 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 hard going office from not from nine to five. You know, I was actually really longing for the freedom of of working for myself. So um, the transition was really quite easy.
Great to hear. And since you're such an avid podcaster and you've literally been doing this on years on end uh, before it became really mainstream and so popular, tell us about what would you be your top tips for people who are just starting to get into podcasting. It's hot nowadays. Uh, so what advice would you give to new and aspiring podcasters? Yeah, I, I didn't quite get the whole question. But I, I think it had to do with starting out with podcasting and tips on that. Yes. So, um, yeah. So, you know, there's ways to do it yourself and to, to keep it quite uh, – so there's all kinds of programs that, that you can use. And people will give you all kinds of different advice. Uh, um, but I think it's, it's almost like anything. Like it, approach it professionally and like you're going to start a project. So, you know, do your research, um, figure out, uh, you know, what your subject matter is going to be. And um, also, you know, a lot of podcasts don't last longer than seven episodes. So uh, realize to begin with that it, it's going to take a lot of time. Like, with my fuel radio podcast, I'll sometimes spend up to five hours on it. So um, it, it can take a lot of time editing. It, 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 it's, that's a personal decision. I really, I edit my, I, I quite heavily edit my podcast and stuff like that. But you don't have to, it doesn't have to take that amount of time. But just have realistic expectations going into, and I don't often, I'm not often that kind of a person. I'm often quite a ready, shoot, aim type of person. But um, yeah, I just recommend that people uh, do their research, some good courses out there. And, um, you know, I'm here for the people that want a podcast. They see it as a good marketing and networking tool. That's the other thing, too, is, you know, one of the major questions I'm asked all the time is, how do you make money podcasting? Well, your podcast per se might not make a lot of money, but the way that I've made money podcasting is actually treating it as a networking tool. So I'm working with quite a, a medium sized company, right? We're just getting their podcasting going, their podcast going. And that's exactly how they're looking at it. Like they want to expand their business down the coast here in North America. And they are going to be very strategic about it. And they're going to interview people that, um, that they want to, connect with for your business. And uh, as you know, Ricky, a podcast is a great way to get to know people and to talk to people that you might not otherwise have the opportunity to connect. So um, that for me is one of my major uh, things that I get on my soapbox about is look at podcasting, what it, uh, you know, for what we do for you is uh, networking is concerned. Who do you want to get to know in your industry? Who are the, who are the experts? And um, who can you do other type, what, what other types of business can you do with those people? So um, the podcast per se might not ever have the kind of numbers that is, are interesting in advertiser, but um, if you look at it as a networking tool, it's one of the best networking tools around that I, that I have found. Totally agree. Totally agree. And no one says no. Like I've done like 450 <laughs> episodes at this point and I haven't got many no's. Some of people might say, I'm busy now, but can we do it in a few weeks? So can we do it next month? But no one says flat out no. 
I don't want to be in your show. And no one's ever said that to me yet. And I don't think anyone will. But it's such a great way to connect with people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I totally agree there, Rod. I've gone, yeah, I, I agree. I've gone after some, I've gone after some A-listers who have said no, but I, I agree. For the most part, uh, uh, most people talk to you. So I, I, I'd love to out some of those A-listers who said no, but <laughs> it's totally understandable that, um, you know, my show isn't necessarily large enough for, for, they don't see it as being large enough for them to spend this sort of time with me. So I, I get it. Fair enough, fair enough. So my final question for you, which is usually the final question for most of my guests is, what does the future hold for Rod? You, you left your uh, corporate job. Now you're working as an entrepreneur, doing coaching, website design, podcast editing, and more. Uh, tell us about where do you see yourself in the next five years and beyond in terms of your life, your family, your travels, and of course, your business and more. Yeah, great question. So, you know, I just want to keep expanding the business. I, I have a financial goal in mind. Um, so I'd like to continue to do that. And um, also, you know, I have this real spiritual bent. So I do some direction. I do some coaching. And um, I'd like to expand that part of my life and, and do do more of that, maybe do some retreats. Um, prayer and meditation has been a passion of mine for the last 25 years. And so um, uh, I've been getting some content and writing a bit in, in that whole area. So uh, the whole spiritual side of my life, um, it, you know, to, I'd like to continue to expand on that and help more people. I just feel like I, I just want to help people in that in that whole area. Um, and we'll see. I mean, it's a really interesting time in Vancouver. Um, someone told me yesterday that, and I know Ricky, you got, you got out of here. I think you got here at time. Someone was telling me the other day that uh, rents are $3 a square foot in Abbotsford. So, you know, to have a, a, a thousand square foot apartment in Abbotsford is $3,000 a month. That's just, that's just crazy. So I don't know, maybe in the next five years, we will, we will, we'll follow you. We'll end up things uh, <laughs> or maybe in, in, uh, in Bellingham, who knows, just someplace where, where, where rents and mortgages, where we can afford a house. Stay tuned for the Rod and Ricky charity helping out the Filipino homeless kids. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what's going to happen? But, you know, Rod and me, we definitely share a lot of common things, a common faith. We both happen to be Christians. We're passionate about our families, our wife and our kids, passionate about uh, business, entrepreneurship, internet marketing, and, of course, helping people. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about, making a difference and impacting others. So, Rod, I wanted to thank you, my friend, for being on the show here today. Um, how can people connect with you? You have, obviously, Fuel Radio, and you have all of your services you offer your clients. How can people connect and learn more? Yeah, I feelradio.com is definitely the best place to get in touch with me. So if they go to feelradio.com, they can see what I'm up to there. And um, I'd like to give up my email too. So it's, my email is rodjans, R-O-D-A-N-Z, zero seven at gmail.com so it's rodjan07 at gmail.com so if anybody wants to chat or talk about 
coach or direction or they would want to start a podcast and, and need some help with that, um, I'd love to help out. Awesome. And yeah, Ross is a real deal. I've known him for several years and he's such a genuine, caring guy. So make sure you reach out to Rod. And thanks everyone for tuning into this episode and uh, make sure you connect with Rod, fuelradio.com. Make sure you connect with us, daddyblogger.com. We'll catch up with you in the next episode. Happy travels, everyone.